Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Hey guys, brand new podcast. I'm trying to put out as much content as possible because I know for a fact I am gobbling up left and right. So we got another podcast. Just released Pat Oswalt the other day. We got Mark Norman coming up, but today it's Jesus Trejo. Jesus has a Showtime special airing this Friday called Stay at Home Son. Put it on your DVR, tell your friends, spread the word. Listen, Jesus is not a huge star with a huge following online. So make sure to blow him up and put him over with your friends. Tell your friends about it this weekend. Watch it. Share it on social media. Do everything you can to help him up. He is a great guy. We talk a lot about his life. Now, I know Jesus very well. He's been touring with me for the past four years. So a little bit of this is me leading him into questions that I've already heard the answer of, but I want you to hear. He didn't end up talking about this, but Jesus lives with his two parents. You'll see this in the special, and he is taking care of them. He is, I think, the sole breadwinner. And he, they both have medical issues, and he is there with them. And when he goes on the road with me, he has to hire a nurse to come in. So he doesn't make a ton of money when he disappears out on the road. He is an awesome fucking dude, and he is a fantastic comedian. It's a great podcast. You're going to love it, and I hope you love his special. So like I said, word of mouth really does wonders for these specials. So tell your friends. Spread the word. Just take a second. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on your social media. And blow him up. He's a great fucking dude. I absolutely love him. Big announcement coming out later. I think next week about some possible road dates that we're going to be accomplishing at the end of June. I am very fucking excited. I can't say anything yet, but the second I can, you will hear it from me. Go to burpurpurt.com to get merch. We got the whiskey cock lock shirts, cups. We got so much new merch coming out. Ooh, we just released the Georgia one. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. was a street name. That joke. We made a shirt with Georgia when she was a baby with a notorious B.I.G. crown. It's a great fucking shirt. So, yeah, check out burpurpurt.com. Have a great day. Stay safe with your family. Um, I'm going to try to lose some weight. I'm getting on the treadmill right now. I'm in a great mood, everybody. I boozed, uh, by the way, pretty hard this weekend. Memorial Day weekend, three days, back to back to back. But we're back on the wagon. So, tonight, it's movie night with the girls on the treadmill, burn some calories. What are you like? What are you a fucking lifestyle brand? Bert, just do comedy and do podcasts. Shut the fuck up about your working out. What are you, Kevin Hart? No, you're fucking fat Bert Kreischer. You like how that's how my brain talks to me? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my buddy, stand up comedian, stay at home son, with a special aptly name airing this Friday on Showtime. Stay at home son, please DVR it. Put your hands together for my brother, Jesus Trejo. This is the You know, from a secret remote location, you know? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm at a WeWork. I'm in one of those uh, little booths or whatever. I've been coming here to get work done in the last... Last week and then this week for the special. How are your parents holding up? 
they're good. I mean, I mean, you know, as far as Corona stuff, they've been just indoors. We've been taking care of each other, you know, quarantining. I just come here and there's nobody here in this building, which is perfect. I saw two people today and I'm like, oh, wow, people, you know. It's, it's just- crazy. I, I've i been really good this weekend. You could tell people, people's guards were down. Like they were just like, whatever. I ordered ice to do a polar plunge and the guy just came up and like shook my hand. And I was like, oh, good. Ah. <laughs> I saw, I saw, by the way, I saw Ron. The other day, because we, you know, we're t- we're talking about the tour, uh, and uh, he brought a bus over, and he just dapped me up immediately. I was like, "Hey, Ron, <laughs> what the fuck, Ron?" It's, yeah, it's so it's just Ron. He's like, "Come on, man, come on." Right. We that, had it. We 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 were sharing it back and forth. That's <laughs> how you know somebody has ultimate confidence when they go in for a handshake. It's like, oh, this guy's confident, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a handshake confidence in 2020, man. <laughs> so so when's the special air? Uh, May 29th, uh, Friday. So this Friday at 9 p.m. Fuck yes, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm excited, dude. This is what, what, these are the questions I I did this to Patton. These are the questions that I wanted to ask to me when I did my special. Okay. 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 Cause I like, I love deconstructing what we do and you know, you, I mean, for everyone who doesn't know, you've been on the road, me and you have been on the road together for what now like a few years it's gotta be was i was still doing clubs when we were doing the road the first time i the first time i worked with you was uh new year's and that was when you uploaded the the machine uh oh my god oh my god you worked that's right you worked we worked together new year's oxnard that was oxnard it was the lowest part of my career Really? That yeah. was the low? Because, I, I mean, you had, you had phenomenal shows. You had great turnouts. It was... No, no, no. The, the turnouts were shit because I was guaranteed <laughs> a lot of money. And I was like, oh, I knew they lost money on that fucking weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. God damn it. So, we, so, um, and so you know, I'm, you've been with me for both my specials. Um, Secret Time and for... Secret, yeah. Yeah. But I love deconstructing comedy. I'm obsessed with comedy. So what joke on here are you most proud of? What joke am I most proud of? Which joke would it mean a lot to you if, say, you're walking through the store and, and say, Sebastian walked up and he's like, hey, man, I saw the special. You know what my joke I loved? This one. You'd be like, ah, you you got my favorite joke. Nice. Okay. Um, I think it would be... It, it, it would be in the middle. I kind of, I, I, I kind of had like a real moment where I talk about my dad and you know taking over, you know, the family business. You know, the, you know, when my dad got sick and you know my mom got sick and it, it, it was just like, like I have this joke where I talk about I wish I could be as stubborn as my father one day. Like I was there when my dad got diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. And my dad doesn't speak English, you know. Or uh, so, so I go with him to the doctor and the doctor slides over the results and there's like a picture of the colonoscopy and look, I'm no doctor, but I, I, he showed me the picture and there was a black dot. I'm like, that's cancer for sure. You know? And he's like, he explained it and I explained (laughs) it to my dad. And then my dad grabs the paper and he slides it back to the doctor. And he's like, that's not mine. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, he said that you have cancer. And then the doctor was like, look, I can assure you, uh, you know, we can, you know, we'll do the surgery, whatever we need. And my dad's like, that's not mine. And so my dad, to this day, like he's cancer free, but to this day, I'm like, people ask him, how'd you beat cancer? He's like, I didn't have it. It's like, to be that stubborn is what I hope to be. And I explained that, you know, and me going and working for like my dad and 
asking him like, dad, what was your dream? Like mowing lawns couldn't have been in your dream. He's like, well, you got to sleep to have a dream. I never slept. I always had two jobs. So I work hard so you can have a dream. And that to me, is like not really a joke, but it's so real that I'm like, if people have that takeaway from my special, I think I succeeded in, in, in telling my story, you know, like yeah. dealing with my mom's like, you know, health issues, uh, the brain tumor that she has and, and, you know, getting power of attorney and, you know, my mom being very proud because she thinks I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a powerful attorney. I'm like, oh no, I have power of attorney, <laughs> you know, um, you know, just real stuff. It's like all, all, all the jokes are based in reality. So I, I think if somebody were to kind of have that take away from my special and see the realness, because in the middle, there is that kind of real part to it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough. Hey, say hi to Jesus. Hi, Leanne. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. The special airs Friday. No way. Yeah. yeah. Showtime. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Are you guys doing well? You guys holding up good? Quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's, I got to be honest with you, man. It's fucking not, it's not, this, it sounds horrible, but it's not that bad. Cause you know, I haven't been with the girls like this forever. So I think forever, forever. I mean, 70, 72 days, 71 days ever. I've never been with my children this much. So it's been nice. And, it, and it's like a silver lining. Where they're going to go off and be high schoolers and not want to be around me. So, yeah, no, I think there's always a silver lining. And I, I think it's nice. You know, everyone's so caught up in the rat race that it's like, hey, this is some cool time to, you know, be with family and, and kind of strengthen a, a relationship. And, you know, we're so busy and doing this, doing that, that it's like, even though we're close to, to our families, it's like. I found that there's a new level to get closer to your family, get to know them. There's certain things that I found out about my parents. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, that, I, I wouldn't have known that had I not been around this much. And it's cool. I like it. I think it's really cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's so cool. Good to see you, Leanne. Oh, it was a pleasure. All right, thank you, baby. Can I take any of this crap in the mouth? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Is this one dirty? No. Yeah, no, I'm still okay. working. Hey, by the way, we, it, it, we can't let Izzy touch anyone else because then we might as well sniff raise balls oh, dogs transmit coronavirus <laughs> anyway anyway yeah. it stinks for me because this is a tough interview to do because i know so much about you that i want to share with you so i'm going to ask you some questions that you know i already know the answer yeah yeah we'll about. have fun people listening to know about you okay because because you're one we have we've had very we have had very 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 different life paths very different. <laughs> Let's get close to the mic when we say that. Very different. <laughs> this segment is called Very Different. <laughs> I remember you telling me about, we were walking to a sporting goods store and you talked about your dad getting you a brand new mountain bike. Oh. <laughs> I, like, yeah, that was, that, that was such a like, that, that was such a crazy thing because for years I, I, I wanted a bike and um, I had these rundown bikes and, and, and my dad is looking at me like, damn it. You know, my son's out there with this, you know, bicycle with, with square wheels. I mean, it was like a cartoonish, horrible looking <laughs> bicycle. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to work hard and get him, get him a bike. So he buys me this, uh, this, a red mountain bike, beautiful mountain yeah. bike. And you know, he presents it to me. He's like, ta-da, kind of thing. Happy birthday. And I'm like, Ugh. 
the record scratches. I'm like, I can't go outside with this thing. <laughs> and, and and my dad was very confused. I mean, I, I feared for my life having that in my neighborhood. Explain it, explain it to people like myself who go, why not? Because, you know, I, I grew up in Eastside Long Beach. And at the time, this is, you know, you know, in the 90s, you know, it's it's it was just bad. There was a lot of, you know, gang activity. And, you know, it's it's like to to see a kid riding a brand new bike. I'm, I mean, that was easy. That's like taking a mountain bike from a kid. You know, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feared for my life. And I had this girl bike. Right. And I loved it. I had this girl bike. It was all all looking the wheels were white and the reason i love this girl bike was because if you hit it in reverse you can stop the wheel you can yeah like a million bucks in that people like kids would make fun of me and i'm like yes thank you they're never gonna want to steal this bike i i felt so good it's like ah you got a girl bike look how ugly it looks and, and, and i was like oh come on you know and i kind of hated but deep down inside i was like thank god it's an ugly bike and nobody wants it you know because if they stole it you know I would know that that's mine and no one would ride it because nobody would want to deal with those repercussions. So when I have a brand new mountain bike, I have a death sentence in, in, in my eyes. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't ride it. My dad would lose his cool. Be like, why aren't you riding? At the end of it, we ended up getting rid of the bicycle. This is how new, how, how untouched the bicycle was. You know, those little rubber whiskers that tires have when they're brand new. Yeah, I still had that. <laughs> we grew up different, Bert. <laughs> yeah. grew up, I don't. I don't think I understood. I'm trying to get a pen. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Down all my all my questions that are already loaded. I but like, <clears throat> I we we grew up different, and I don't think I still to this day at times am shocked by life experiences you had where I just didn't, where I didn't have the insight, or 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 I was like, huh, yeah, or like. <laughs> like the time you talked about getting robbed with your mom and she yeah. didn't speak English and the guy was tell that story yeah that's in the special too and it's like it, it, it was so cool we were li living um, off of Pine at the time and there was a grocery store there called Lucky's I don't, I don't know if you were familiar with the if you had uh, Lucky's where you're from but we were going to the grocery store and it was just me and my mom we're hanging out having a good time and this guy rose up um you know, he rose up and uh, he was on a bike now that I remember. And, um, you know, he he got out and he's like, hey, give me the money. And my mom doesn't speak or understand English. So I had to translate. My mom was like, you know, what does he want? Uh, so, so I was an accomplice to the robbery, you know. <laughs> Imagine helping in the robbery of your own mother, like to look your own sweet mother in the eyes. And she's like, what does he want? It's like, well, if the gun isn't telling, it's like he he wants money. You know, <laughs> you know, the NATO kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's when I took two steps back. It's like, you know, you could take it from here, mom. You know, I don't have money. What and is that? What is that like? What is it? I know it's fun. like we both laugh about that right now because as comics, I think we take those situations and it's a coping mechanism. A coping, but what was that like? What, I mean, what it was, was that terrible like as a kid to go home after being robbed. Uh, my mom was crying. I mean, I mean, the reality of it, you know, it's like, yeah, we make it funny, but the reality of it is my mom got robbed. We go home and she's crying. She can't even get words out. My dad's like wondering what the hell's going on. And, you know, I, I kind of have to explain. And, and there's a level of, of like seeing my father let down is like, what did you do? 
It's like, I'm a kid. What am I going to do? And it, it, it's like, I, yeah, he had a gun. I'm a kid. He's a grown man. Like, what am I going to do? And he's like upset. And then, you know, he kind of went out and kind of looked for the guy, you know, to see, see if he can do his part, you know, to come be like, hey, why are you picking on a on a woman and, and with, with a kid going to the grocery store? Like, like, you know, pick on a like someone your own size kind of thing. But yeah. My, my 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 dad was upset, but you know it's like we we went through a whole lot. Even, like living at that address, the the Pine location. I mean, we went through so much. I saw my dad get robbed. Like, and 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 I think I learned so much. Learned so much from my folks and how they handled, um, you know, things that would happen. Like you know, obstacles that come up in in life. Like I saw my dad get his lawn equipment stolen. The whole thing, and him you know, not crying about it. He, him just going, all right, well, I got to figure out how to work. So imagine having your whole business stolen from you. Every lawnmower, like the whole works. So he has nothing. My dad had a cruiser bike. He, he, he got some money. He, he got an old weed whacker and uh, he, he had a rake and he put him on this bike and he pedaled to the location of, of, of the houses that he could get to. And he would We'd whack and sweep the grass, and that's what he would do. Uh, they helped him out. His 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 boss that he had at the construction company helped him out to get some machinery back. But eventually, he he um, the people he worked for found out about it, and they paid him a little early, and he was able to get his machines back one by one, and eventually got his business running. But here's a guy who's resilient. I mean, that's the definition of resilient. It's like a Mexican boxer. You don't step backwards. You move forward, even if you're getting knocked. You move forward and the pacing is like you move forward and everything else will be taken care of. And that, I, I think I, I learned so much from my dad. I mean, he was a hard ass, but I mean, I'm so grateful for those stories. Yeah. Your dad, your dad, tell him how your how you came about, like uh, tell the story of, of your parents getting together. And, and yeah. cause I think, you know, cause you hang out in, in the, in the, in the throes of, of my fans and my fans are pretty fucking white. And they're pretty like middle America, <laughs> like they're like, and sometimes it's gotta, you gotta feel like a fish out of water when you, I, I know, I know your, I know a lot about you, by the way, more than I know about a lot of people. Like, I'm not really interested in a lot of people, <laughs> but, um, but tell yes. them about like, how your parents got together and, and how yeah. you came about and, and then the kind of backlash that is Jesus. Yeah. I mean, um, if, if 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 I leave anything out because I'm shy, please you know prompt me. But uh, don't worry, I will. Yeah. So, um, so my parents met on the circuit. I call it the circuit because my dad was you know mowing lawns and work construction in like uh, Palos Verdes, a uh, really nice rich area. Um, so he he worked construction there during the mornings and then in the afternoons he would mow lawns. And my mom was a nanny. She you know she lived with a couple families. She moved house to house. You know taking care of their kids, cleaning houses, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, one day story has it, you know, my mom's, you know, cleaning a window and my dad's mowing along. He looks up, sees my mom, mom waves. And here we are, you know, have, have baby Jesus, you know? And, you know, so, so yeah, they have me and it's like, it, it's such a, such a crazy thing. Like my, my, my parents weren't supposed to have me basically, you know? Um, you know, my dad was married and, you know, had this whole family in, in, in Mexico and, 
And he was and, paying to, he was working to get, send them money, right? Yeah, he was here. He was, you know, he was making a living for himself, but also helping his family back home. And, um, you know, so he gets with my mom and, you know, they have me and, you know, there's some, there's some problems to be had there. You know, when you have a kid out of wedlock and, you know, they both, you know, got disowned from their families and, you know, they were basically kicked out. It's, you know, and, and especially in my culture brings great shame to have a kid out of wedlock, you know, not being married. And especially in, under these circumstances with, you know, a married man and things happen. I mean, it is what it is. And, and, you know, they got this own and they ended up kind of raising me in this van, which later was, was this, uh, the van that my dad, uh, used to work. You know, he had all his machineries there. It was an old, uh, 1972 Chevy van, two-tone, um, deli mustard, on, on top yellow and then white on, uh, on bottom. And then on the left side, there was a big hole that my dad patched up with, uh, they call it bando. Right. Yeah. So they, uh, he patched it up, never bothered painting it. So there was like a, like a pink pimple on the left side. It looked like, <laughs> like a boil. Um, but that was a van. I mean, that was a van, uh, where, where I got raised and, you know, eventually, you know, my dad was able to get a place for us and, um, you know, later the families kind of came together. Like, well, my mom kind of was like, you know, let's put that behind us and forgave the whole situation. But, you know, my dad, you know, struggled with that. And to this day, it's kind of a thing of, ugh, you know, kind of, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the, the kid that threw everything, you know, when shit hit the fan. Is that why they uh, call you Jesus? Because of Jesus Christ? Kind of how it was born? I, I, I think where it's like, you know, I'm pregnant. It's like, Jesus, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, all right, no, no, they just, um, you know, my mom, my, my mom was going to have another kid and, and, you know, she lost a baby and she prayed that if this one, if she could have this one, she would name it Jesus. And, you know, here we are. Do you ever, do you ever wish you had a brother or a sister? Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, being an only child is, is, it has its advantages, but man, like having a brother, like it's cool, man. I look at like people who I grew up with and they got siblings and you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, man, that's like, that's cool. Cause either you get along or you don't, but either way you have somebody to not get along with. Yeah. But, in, and it would have been like, I mean, it would have I mean, you're been, close to your, your, your siblings, right? What? Yeah. I'm really close. Yeah, that's like that's the best. Like, to, like your kids having an aunt, you know, like that's cool. It's like if I have kids, it's like, all right, cool, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I feel like it, especially like growing up as you did, where your parents, your parents were a little older than you, and you and you were single, and you were a single kid. It would have been cool to have someone to kind of like bounce life's hardships off off of. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because I think I. Again, growing up in a in a rough neighborhood like Long Beach, if there's ever any problems, it's like, hey man, you know, somebody wants to square it up and they can't deal with it. I'm gonna go get my brother, you know. And then yeah. it's like me, I'm showing up with my old dad. It's like, dad, they're they're, they're bothering me. It's like, get out of here. <laughs> and it's like, no street cred is given to to a kid that shows up with his with his dad, you know. Is <laughs> parking up a machete. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, let's get into that. So it's like. I, I would I would get picked on a lot, right? I'd, I'd get picked on so much, and it was because of my height. I was always this big, goofy, lanky kid. So like the little, the little shorter kids were trying to you know make a name for themselves, go beat up the big kid. But that that doesn't apply when you're kids. It's like what am I gonna do? Is like, I was just taking yeah. hits and running around. But 
so my dad was just so embarrassed. I used to get lit up so much. And he's like, hey, I'm going to put you in boxing classes. You know, so I take boxing classes. And I thought it was a great, you know, cardio workout. I thought it was great. The community is great. I got to like talk to these these great fighters, you know, there are older men that can fight. I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm basically interviewing these boxers and they're telling me to go fuck off. Like, Hey man, I'm trying to train. Hey man, you're pretty cool. How much can you bench press? Just being an annoying high schooler. Yeah. And, um, so I would just train there and eventually, you know, I, I started getting okay. I started sparring and I sparred with this guy at this, uh, kickboxing gym there in uh, Long Beach. It's off of Anaheim. And the, and the master's name is Omri. Um, um, he came from Cambodia, very well respected. I mean, knew his stuff had been fighting since he was a kid, basically. And, um, so Omri was like, Hey, I think it's, it's time for you to spar. It's like, do you feel comfortable sparring? And I had done it a handful of times and I spar with this guy in particular, long hair, nose piercing. He would take it off, just rock and roll, badass kind of guy. Only white guy in the, in the, in the boxing gym. And um, so we're boxing. He's like 30 something. I'm, I don't know, 16, 17. And, you know, I mean, there's, a, it, it, it was like million dollar baby. You know, the kid that pays the membership all up front and they're like, what, like, what is he doing here? That was me. Yeah. And um, so I'm in there boxing. I'm, I'm, I'm sparring with the guy and he just takes it to the next level and just roundhouse kicks me. Wah-bah! Hits me. Boom. Buckle. I hit the ground. I hear birds. I see little dots of color. I mean, I'm knocked out. And, um, you know, I, I, I come back to life and uh, Omri's there and some of the other boxers and they're like, are you all right? I can't talk. I, there's no way I can possibly talk. And Omri is mad at the guy. He's like, hey, you hurt my students. They don't come back. He's like, what yeah. are you, like where, why are you fighting at 100% with this kid? And so they got on his ass. You know, they wanted to... They basically wanted to uh, kick him out and he's like kind of worried, but not really caring. And I still can't like talk. Now it's like almost time for my dad to pick me up. My dad is like honking. I guess I'm not walking out or anything. And then, so he walks in and he's like, Hey man, it's late. Let's go. And then they're like, Hey, well, you know, he got knocked out. He's like, what do you mean he got knocked out? They're like, you know, some of the boxers there were like translating of like, Hey, he got knocked out. He's like, he got what? He's like, you know, kind of like pushing people out of the way. You know, let me see. And, and, and here you have, you know, I'm, I'm my height, 11th, uh, 10th grade. I'm my height in, in, in high school. So six foot three, Jesus just slumped over in the corner of the gym. And my dad goes up and he's like, let's go. And, and he's like, why can't he talk? He's like, he got knocked out and he's pissed. He's like, who knocked him out? And I mean, everybody just kind of like stepped aside and just like, nobody said anything, but they just stepped aside. and. Everyone just kind of looked at this guy. He's like, it was an accident, man. He's like, and now my dad's losing it. He's like, F you. I mean, he's going all out. He's five foot, you know, little guy. And um, he's losing it, man. He's losing it. He's bouncing off walls. He goes to the truck. He goes to the gardening truck. And in the gardening truck, he has this old, rusty, rusty machete. And he takes it out. Now everyone's sp uh, like spilling out. They take me out there and I, 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 I'm panicking. I, I see my dad with the, with the machete. He's sparking it on the ground. He's, you know, hitting it on the ground. It's like, and I, I didn't know machetes could do that. You know, it's like you hit it on the ground. It, it, it was just like, it was so surreal. Like, is this happening right now? 
And he's like, come on, man. And, and people are like, hey, man, you don't want to do that. And my dad's like, hey, fuck this guy. He's like, you're going to hit my son? You're going to knock him out? Like, you know, I, I, I don't have kids, but I can't imagine if somebody was to hurt my kid. I mean, it's it's game over. Like, Oh, yeah, 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 100%. And, and, and so my dad was, I, I mean, his eyes glowed like red. It was, it was scary. I've never seen my dad at that level of angry and he wanted to get the guy and they're like separating. The guy was not backing down. He's like, come on, man. You think you're tough with the machete? And and in my head, I'm like, my dad's going to get the roundhouse treatment. We're both, (laughs) we're both going to, you know, show up at home with, with, yeah, with bandages over our heads. But I love when I wish, I wish people could see your body because when you do an impression of your dad, it's so like, it's such a, it's, it's, it's so visual. Oh, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's always the chest pat, only one hand. I don't know why he never did this. It was always like, come on, man. You know, but it was just, it, it was the scariest thing ever. And, you, you know, nothing ever happened. And I, I remember we ran into the guy like sometime later and, you know, he pulled up. I, I was helping my dad, you know, mow some lawns there off of uh, like uh, 10th Street and like Magnolia and Long Beach. And, you know, the guy pulls up and he's like in his in his van. Um, he was a construction worker. So he had this like work van and um, he pulls up. He's like, hey, man, you all right? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. I'm like, and I'm looking to see if my dad's in sight because this is going to be game over. Yeah. And um, I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I didn't try to knock you out. You know that, right? It was kind of like him trying to clar- clarify things. And I'm like, that, um, hey, just go, just me, leave, leave, leave right now. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it stayed that way, but you know, that's when my dad pulled me out. I, I mean, one, we couldn't even afford the damn classes. It was so expensive, you know, it was expensive yeah. for us. Um, and yeah, there was no way my dad could sustain it. And that was the excuse he needed to pull me out. And I was like, that's it. So back to just, what was, what was like, what I know why I like, I'm always shocked why people got into comedy, like, because I know why I did. Yeah. But I did because there was a Rolling Stone magazine about me, and I was like, um, I've always wanted to be a comedian. And, and I mean, this is this is, I'm really obsessed right now. Well, I don't know, I don't know what we can share about what's coming up. I don't know if we've announced anything, but I'm really obsessed. I want to get back in the bus to like, I'm dying to like just bullshit with you guys. The conversations that we have where it's like no one gets offended, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Like I'm obsessed with like just like how fucking how much i'm gonna i'm gonna save it i'm gonna save it for the bus but my point is i understand how lucky i am in life in just everything that people may go wow man he he decided to be a comedian you're like well not it wasn't like i was risking anything like i was written up in rolling stone magazine i had said i wanted to be a comedian then all of a sudden like people were like hey man you got to try it oliver stone option the rights to your life you should give it a shot. Everyone was like that. Yeah. I'm always shocked when like guys like you or Ari or, or like, I'm not shocked that Paulie became a comedian. Right. 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 Yeah. But, but like when, when you or Rick Glassman or, or just like the a regular guy who was funny, but maybe not everyone said you're the funniest guy in the world, you yeah. know? And then like, what got you into comedy? What made you say, I'm going to try this? I think just my obsession early on, I think it was like films. And, and to me, what I found funny was always like slapstick, physical comedy. The best. I mean, armpits, like fart sounds with your armpits. 
sign yeah. me up. I think, you know, it, it was always a physical, like, like, you know, Buster Keaton, you know, Lauren Hardy, uh, Three Stooges, you know, people of this era, like that was funny to me, but you know, nobody knew what that was. And my first introduction to comedy was Spanish speaking. I mean, I didn't have command of the English language to like around the fifth grade, you know? So for really? me, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up around all Spanish speaking Mexican people. I, I was working with my dad. I hung out at home and like I, my exposure, even though I'm born here in Long Beach, born and raised, like my exposure to the language wasn't like, like a thing. So what was like the Mexican three stooges? Oh, the bumblebee on television. <laughs> How often, ever, uh, be honest, be honest. How often have you had to say, hey, Bert, that's a little racist? <laughs> I don't think I've ever said it, but I'm like, I don't think that's accurate, Bert. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I get it. It's racist. I'm like, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's accurate. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember what the time we were having, we were eating, we were eating Mexican food and you said, uh, I'll get the, uh, the tortillas. And I went, Hey, I go, Hey, don't, you don't have to do that. And you're like, yeah. what? Do, and, and, and that same restaurant, do you remember on the way there we were going, it's like, uh, hilarious. Uh, uh, so you're like on, on the way there's like, what do you want to eat? Like Mexican food or something? It's like, <laughs> Wait, do you think that's all I eat? <laughs> and, and then no, no, he's like, no, 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 because there's one right here. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not a big deal. And then so we go over there, and I think it was like it looked like it was closed. It was under construction, right? And so we like stepped over this like they were gonna build like this nice decorative like fence thing, and we like we stepped over. You're like, man, how authentic is this restaurant, huh? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yeah, um, it's been it's been fun fun working with you because you know everyone knows when you're a comic you spend all your time like I, I'm I'm you know this more than anyone but like I have a real like I need to be around whoever I'm working with almost all the time like after the shows dirt before the shows at lunch a lot of times go to the gym together like I mean I'm pretty I'm pretty like uh, needy I guess is the right. Oh, you like a good hang. I think it's 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 the right way of putting it. You like a good hang. You like a good time, and I think you live life by 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 such a way of, hey, let's just have a good time. Like this is this is a cool gig we got going on, and 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 you're a guy who likes to share the good times. And I and you know, I I'm I'm very grateful for that. For you to you know take me into your family, your 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 business, and I mean it's it's, it's been dude, it's, it's, been, it's, but- it's been fucking awesome, dude. The, but the laugh, the, I remember the time that you would say, I think it was the same restaurant when I go enough of the tortillas and you go, what? And I said, well, I don't know. You put a little spin on it at the end. Little, little tortillas, little, little English. And you go, I'm saying it the way you're supposed to say it. And I went, oh, no, no, no. I know what you mean. You're like, no, you're actually pronouncing it incorrectly. And I went, oh, that's right. <laughs> and then, and then that was the same day. Do you remember? I think I might've been drinking, but it was the same day we were doing this joke to each other. (laughs) You remember that? No. Okay. We said, I I had said, I was saying something uh, I'm sure inappropriate. And I looked over my shoulders and you go, you go, what if that's the new description? What if that's the new hate crime? Yeah. With this. Uh It's like, uh oh, here it comes. <laughs> Dude, I, we, I, we, I, there's, but the thing I like about you, the thing that I enjoy about you is, is you, you're, you like 
silly. Yeah, like, I like, like silly. silly. Yeah, because life is like, I don't know, it, it, it sounds a little serious, but it's like li- life is always, you know, this serious thing, but it's like silliness. It's it, it just something cool about it. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to behave because sometimes it's not well received, but you, 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 you enjoy <laughs> my, 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 my level of silliness. <clears throat> And it's cool, man. It's it's just a good time. We always have a good time, and yeah, it's 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 like the best, you know. And the hardest, the, one of the fucking hardest I ever laughed was when you told me the story about you were working with a comedian. I won't say the comedian's name. You can say it if you want, but I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not a bad thing. And that comedian had to take a shit after doing radio, and you oh, guys yeah, were yeah. staying in a in a hotel that had like twenty one floors, and yeah. he was on the twentieth, and you were on the second. And he goes, "Man, I got a shit so bad." And you are, all right, man, have a good shit. And you hit all the buttons. I go. I hit all the buttons, and for two seconds, I'm like, "That is hilarious!" And then it hit me when the doors were closed, and I'm like, "Oh no, I messed up." <laughs> He's gonna shit his pants. Yeah, and it, it's stuff like that that I was just like, "Yeah, it's just you know, you know, comedy now it's is it's, it's different than when I started. You know, when I started, I thought it was like that was a cool thing, the jackass approach to things, and it's cool for what it is. But you know, you know, I got into comedy because. You know, I I just love making people, you know, making people laugh and and sharing my 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 sense of humor and hopefully people like it. If not, that's okay too. But it's just like, it, it, you know, for me, comedy started off as like a defense mechanism that later was channeled into you, me using my writing and the act outs, my physicality. Every, everything slowly, I guess, came together. And I'm a slow learner, man. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm just happy that everything is kind of coming together now on stage. How do you? What do you think? What do you think the store, what what attribute do you think the store added to you that made you a better comic? And then which which thing would you tell a young comic if you're going to work at the store or if you're going to go through the store system, I would ignore this. It's You're going to see this a lot and it, you're going to think, oh, I should do this, but don't. It's a bad habit. That's a great question, man. Um, Alexa, shut the fuck up. Okay, go Alexa. ahead. Sorry. Alexa. Um, I think the best thing there is to learn how to how to how to just be yourself. I think kind of like like Mitzi had this thing of like the stories that like you go up, you go up late night, you know, you perform your your doing your jokes to basically nobody else. And I think that prepares you for the worst case scenario. When I first started going on the road doing college and that kind of thing, there was nobody in the audience, you know, but I felt comfortable because I learned this skill at the store of going late night to performing to just the people working there sometimes, just a person in the booth, the, the you know, a comic sitting uh, people. Sometimes I had a few people in the audience. And I think that really taught me not to get phased when there's nobody in the audience and still perform what you want to perform, you know, not, not being rattled. I, I think that helped me out tremendously when I started hitting the road. And even when I started doing clubs and I did like one nighters, you know, and I would have maybe like 15 people there, you know, and on, on, on a Wednesday and I still go up there and do my time and have a good time. And I wasn't really phased by it where I think another comic would be like, Oh damn it. There's no crowd. You know, what am I going to do? That, you know, you change your cadence or something for me. It was like, this is what I'm used to anyway. So, yeah. So to me, that was great. It, it, it taught me, like, like, like to me, once I got past, to me, it, it was like how I ended my night of, of writing, right? So I would go, I would do open mics, I would do whatever book show, but then I knew I had a 1 a.m. spot. 
So everything I tried, the two, three spots beforehand, I'm polishing it off at night at 1 a.m. for 15 minutes. And then I had that recording. And the next day I could listen to that recording and figure out what I needed to change. So process-wise, I think that was the best thing. Now, I think the one thing that I recommend against, you know, if you're if, if you're considering going into the system of the comedy store is, is, is to put all your, like, to only do the store. You know, it, it, it's like the store is great and it's different now than what it was back then. There's a lot of heavy hitters. There's, there's Rogan, there's you, there's Segura, there's Dalia, there's Whitney. There, there's all these guys coming in and, and, and crushing, you know, and you got to bring it, you know? So it's like now the dynamic is different. So this advice, I, I, I think may not apply anymore, but like there were comics. Yeah, do, you, yeah, do you think, I mean, not to interrupt you, but do you think you could even do what you did at the store today? I mean, I don't even know how, if that would work. I don't know. I, that, that, that's a good question. And I, and, and I think it's almost like a, like a Malcolm Gladwell ish kind of situation where it's like, it's the timing. It's the timing at which I started stand up and allowed me to be at the store at that moment in time. I don't think that could be replicated again. That moment of time where I remember being a door guy and the last person left sometimes and they're like, Hey, anyone after 1245 call them, we're closing early. You know, or anyone after do me, one. Do me, do me a favor. Do me a favor. I'm I'm cutting you off a lot. I'm sorry. No. <clears throat> do me a favor. Tell me about paint the picture, paint the scene of okay. when you started working at the store. Who was there? Who was working? What was the average night like? Who was you? Who was working with you? Okay. How was um, yeah, everything? So when I started working there, um, so I got I got hired by uh, um, Adam Egget had just started there, right? I guess we can work backwards. I got past September 7th, 2012. So I I worked there like maybe two to three years, roughly. So 2010 ish. -ish? Yeah. Yeah. 10 ish. And I had a, I had 2010. I'm trying to think where I was 2010. Give me a sec. I want to, I want to see, I'm going to see in my phone. If I got any pictures from 2010, let's do years. 2000 in 2010. Ready to see what 2010 was for me? Birth the Conqueror. Wow. I was doing Birth the Conqueror. George and Isla were that old. Oh my goodness. That's great. And I started doing these. Uh, art installations. What will the maid think? Right, leave rooms like this. That was that's 2010 amazing. for me. Wow, that's oh, look at this, look at this, Jesus. Have you ever seen these? Well, I, I would totally soil myself if I walked in and saw that. Look at this one. <laughs> this was 2010 for me. Me and Rachel Ray went skydiving. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Actually, that's 2011. So okay, two thousand. What were they uh, called? What What would the maid think? What would the maid think? That was your uh, elevator button version days. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. yeah. I, 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 like, I, I, I was I was so obsessed with it. I would get, I would get to my hotel room at night, and I would almost get manic and and start creating and start making art installations, and then fo- photo photo taking pictures of them. 
and I was posting them on Twitter and they weren't getting any reaction really because I didn't have any fan base. And right. then Good Morning America uh, and the Today Show both saw them and posted them and George Takai posted them and I didn't get any credit. They didn't. They never credited oh. me. They said, uh, this, uh, this guy is, they didn't even credit me. I don't think they even said my name. And, uh, and I tried to get Travel Channel to to get behind it. And Travel Channel was a little embarrassed of it. They're like, this is a bad idea. You're a travel re- a representative, an ambassador of travel, and you're fucking up hotel rooms. But um, so, yeah, that's where I was. George and I were little girls. I was doing Travel Channel. I had just started season two of Birth the Conqueror, I think. I had just done my special Comfortably Dumb, and you started working at the store. Yeah, I started working at the store. And Rogan's still there, right? No, Rogan was not around during that time. I remember when he came back. Like, when Rogan came back, it was, like, a big deal. Everyone was like, oh, you know, Rogan's back. So I would, I only heard about Rogan, like, being at the store. Like, the, the, the Rogan days at the store was only things comics talked about, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I remember when he, when, he, when he started coming back. I'm working a lot. Uh, Tony Hinchcliffe had, uh, we overlapped by a very little, like very little, like working there. Uh, Benji, so who the guys that worked with you? Uh, Willie Hunter, um, Brian Moses, um, Quincy Weekly, Lucas Earl, um, Brenton Biddlecombe. Uh, so Willie Hunter um, got hired three months before me. And then uh, Brenton Buttlecombe got hired in or around the same time. Um, who else? Uh, Jade was working. Jade Catapretta was working the bar at the time. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the class that I came wow. up with. And, and I would just, you know, um, yeah, it's like uh, uh, Danish and O'Neill were hosting, um, you know, Potluck. Uh, Tony started hosting potlucks too. Tony Henscriff. Ari was still living in LA. Yeah. Um, and the and the guys working the club were Steve Byrne, Ahmed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. John Caparillo. John Caparillo. He was still uh, there. That was the Joey was was Joey doing spots? Uh, no, no. Joey, I believe I believe came after Rogan. Um, but Renazizi was working. Uh, the room quite a bit. Who? Like uh, uh, Renazizi. Yeah, Renazizi. I used to play softball or a uh, home run derby with all these guys. Mike Steve Young. Simone. Mike yes, Young. Simone. And so we would all play softball or home run derby. And so this is when I tried to get in at the store. Um, and Tommy was running the store at the time. And he told me I needed to park cars. And I had a show on Travel Channel. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna right, go right. get a side job to get past at a comedy club. I'm just a comic. Right. And he was like, You're not gonna get past then. And so, and this is also the time. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fascinated by this era because this was a little bit when the comedians ran things. Yeah. Let's see who else was there. Brett Ernst. Brett, uh, Brett Ernst. I would see quite a bit there. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a, it was a different era. For sure. And, you know, me seeing the pop-ins of comics, you know, coming in and, you know, the rooms, like the OR wasn't, I'll put it like this, the main rooms, there was only one main room show a week. And that was Saturday, eight o'clock. And that's it. Once that was done, it was done. So all throughout the week, that main room was completely dark. Really? It was just upside down chairs in there. Nobody went in there. It was like 
empty. It was just a belly room. Would have a show at night. Saturday, it was two shows in there, and that was a big deal, you know. Wow. And and then the OR had the regular OR show as we know it. And and during those those days, get this, they had potluck twice a week. It was Sunday and Monday. So before I get hired, I would go there and hang out. You know, I I, I would go there and 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 hang out. I I hung out. I hung out there for a year, and that advice was given to me by Steve Trevino. He's like, Hey man, you need to go there and hang out for a full year. And, you know, and, you know, rain or shine. He's like, and if you can do that, I, he basically said, I challenge you to do that. And if you can do that, I think you can get in the store. He's like, if you put in the work and, and he was like, the goal should be to get a job there. And I, I hung out for a year. I mean, I, I remember showing up, you know, sick on a couple of days, but I still showed up and I was annoying, you know, because I asked, I asked over and over again. I don't, like, I, I hate asking. You know, it's like I, I, I feel like I'm bothering somebody and I, I, I never want to be that guy. But I don't know why I was comfortable stepping outside of my comfort zone. And, yeah. and How did you get a job? Did you just go up and say, I, I would like to work here? Or how did that process go? So for me, I expressed, I, I expressed that I wanted to work there. You know, I went up to Tommy. I said, hey, Tommy, um, I, I would like to work here. And, you know, he's like, well you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta do potluck and, you know, there's some steps and you gotta, you, you, you gotta hang out. You gotta do potluck before you're asked. You can't apply for a job here. You gotta be basically tapped to, to come into the store and, and, and work, you know? So is that how it works? Is that you basically are a comic and you're hanging out doing potluck spots and then they would say, Hey, you're good enough to work the door. So, so they, they approach you. So it's like, you do potluck for a while. You're hanging out, they get to know you, but then they approach you and say, Hey, do you want to work here? Cause you get past the friends and family. So that's, so in potluck, the first hour is the open mic, right? That's from seven to eight after eight o'clock. That's when all the employees, friends and family employees are family, right? And friends are anyone that's been passed to that next level, but don't work there. Yeah. So your goal is to get past to the second stage, like the incubating stage of development. And what that meant was you don't have to sign up for the open mic anymore. You get a guaranteed spot on potluck and you get one development spot in one of the shows in the comedy store. You either cold open for somebody's, you know, bringer show or outside promoter show, or you went up at the end where, you know, there was nobody there, but that was a big deal. You got, you know, a three minute spot on potluck and then a five minute spot uh, as development and you did that indefinitely and then yeah. everyone would be passed at their own time and then once you got passed you don't have to do that anymore so now you're not going up on potluck at open mic hour or friends and family now you can only get up from the 10 30 hour to 2 a.m you know on a monday in yeah in the or and once you're passed you can call in on monday right and you put in availability for the whole week and then they'll slot you you know wherever they have room for you I just thought I just thought to myself, I haven't called in my availabilities in a while. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to call them in for a while, but I mean that place that place has a has a system that you know works. It worked for me. It may not work for the next person. I, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that that's the end all be all because there's more than one way to skin a cat. But for me, now there is. Now there is. Back then there wasn't. Oh really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, you I, worked I, at I, a comedy I, club. Was there a similar? Say that again. Say that again. Uh, bless you. Um, you worked at a comedy club. Did that comedy club back then have a similar like way of passing people? So, um, by the way, I 
used to be very firm in, in assessing that I knew how this worked. Uh, I, all I'll say is I don't really know, but, and then that's the truth, but I'll tell you my experience is that when I worked the door at the Boston Comedy Club, people had worked before me, that, but they weren't doing it to become comics. Like, I think Neil Brennan worked the door, but he wasn't a comic. He just wanted to be around comedy, I think. I'm not certain. Um, I know Matt Frost worked the door there, but he wanted to be an agent. Um, and then there was a guy named that I remember him. Not, I don't think a lot of people do remember him. His name was Andrew. And he would help Lewis Schaefer. Lewis Schaefer was the host of the Boston Comedy Club. Okay. He would help Lewis Schaefer, but he wasn't, he would get spots, but he didn't get spots all the time. And he, I, he wasn't, it's unfair for me, for me to say, but he wasn't a comic anyone really respected. And so it wasn't looked at as a path to like work. The door was not a way to get in. My dad had just instilled in me that humility, always, humility and hard work go hand in hand. And if you can be humble enough and work hard, people will notice those two attributes. So he got me to work the door. My dad said, asked to do anything, asked to put up chairs, asked to grill burgers. Mm -hmm. I knew that Pete Corielli had grilled burgers at Hamburger Hamlets and gotten spots. I knew that. Okay. And so I was like, and I really, I mean, I, I still to this day very much respect Pete. I think he's an amazing comedian. But back then, I really respected Pete. I Like, I wanted to be friends with him. He was just the coolest fucking guy. He still is the coolest guy. But back then, I can't even tell you. Pete Corielli was just a cool fucking dude. And so, um, so <clears throat> I worked, I, I started working the door. And Ben Bailey, Judah Friedlander, and Jordan Rubin pulled me aside. And, and at, at, a, at a bar, I forget the name of it. It's where the Fat Black Pussycat is now. They pulled me aside and they told me that I needed to quit because it wasn't a good idea, that I wasn't going to oh be God. looked at. And by the way, once again, everyone's allowed their own truths. I'm just remembering how it happened for me. Sure, sure, sure. Is they said this, this, it's a bad idea that people weren't going to see me as a real comic because people didn't see this guy Andrew as a real comic and that I was funny and I had potential, but this was the wrong way to go about it. Mm. And I remember thinking, I remember just thinking, just like imagine if you're starting a business. I remember thinking the only way you can start a business is to get in the game. And the only way I can get in the game is to get on stage. And the only way I was getting on stage was right. by doing this. And I thought, I think stage time is king. The more stage time you get, that's the most important. So I did it. And then in working the door, I worked the door like six months, probably less than six months. But six months in, technically... I got a development deal from Will Smith and now working the door was a, an actual business plan. So guys like Pete Holmes and I, 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 I Pete Holmes is the only one I can really remember because he made a TV show about it, but guys started working the door because it was now a business plan, like going, Hey, there's a guy that got a deal because he worked at the door. And I remember going, <clears throat> I remember going back to the, to the Boston comedy club. I was with, uh, Bill Burr and um, Bill was, I, I think he just moved back to LA or to New York. I was living in LA, but yeah. I was back. We were both, I think Bill had been by coastal. I was now by coastal and um, my shirt was off. I was in the back of the club. I was drinking a beer and this comic came up to me and he said, and there were like four comics working the door. Yeah. There were like four comics all barking. Uh -huh. And this kid came back and was like, Hey man, you're like my, my hero like you got a deal uh, by the way I'm, i was 26 years old i had a tv show um i had a tv show and i had That's had a so deal awesome. with will smith and 
and I had a, I had another deal now at CBS. He's like, you're my hero, man. Like, I want to do what you did. And that's why I got a job working the door. And I remember, I remember I was buzzed and I thought I should try to kiss this guy. Like, just to, <laughs> like, I was like, that's like, I remember just being like, I was in comedy mode where your brain's like, I should just lean in. Like, I'm sorry. What were you trying to say? But so then, and then everyone started working the door. But when I came out to New York, when I came out to LA, I was out in LA at that time. I was doing spots Sunday night. Louie Anderson would do a show in the main room and it was sold out. Roseanne would come down. Dice yeah. would come down. Nice. Uh, Chris Rock came down. I mean, it was like the fucking hottest show. And I murdered on that show. I became friends with Louie and I was murdering. I mean, I was killing. I remember the door guys. And I really, really sincerely wish I could remember who they were at the time. I wish I knew who those door guys were. Uh, Pulled me aside and they're like, you're fucking funny, man. You need to, you need to get a job here and start working here. And I remember going like, can I, I remember thinking like, can I skip that? And Louie Anderson's like, yeah, you can skip it. Come on, I'll take you in front of Mitzi. And he brought me up in front of Mitzi in the OR and I did two minutes and I bombed. I bombed. And Mitzi was sitting back in those seats, which I remember very differently now. I just remember it differently. But she was sitting in those seats where you kind of wait to go do your spot. Yeah, the bucket seats in the back. Yeah, the bucket seats in the back. And I went up to her and she said, all she said is, you're not ready. And I was like, okay. She's like, you need to call. You need to start hanging around, hang around the store more. And I went, okay. And I was like, I have kids. I'm not going to hang around the store. But I was like, I was like, maybe I'll just get ready. I'll get ready. I'll keep doing spots. It was that whole thing, be undeniable. So I kept doing Louis' show and I was just killing. And all the door guys at the time, I wish I could remember who it was. I wish I could remember who those door guys were. (laughs) They were so fucking cool, man. They were like, They'd pull you. They'd be like, "Dude, you're like you're legit fucking funny." And I was, I remember that's the one thing the store always had. Sam Tripoli came up to me one time. We were working together, and we were doing a, a National Lampoon's show together. And I didn't know him, and I can't remember who he was with. But he came up to me. He might have been with like, uh, he might have been with, um, I don't fuck. Anyway, he came up to me and he goes, "Bro, you are fucking funny." And I was like. Oh, thank you. I think like, that's such an important part of a comics journey when you're at a comedy club and the either the elders or the door guys are like, hey man, you're funny. That's a that's such a huge dose of like like I don't know, just joy. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm on the right path. And those guys for me, I remember it was like Freddie Lockhart, Sam Tripoli. Um I'm a door guy. And uh, Stephen Kravitz, I don't know if you know Stephen Kravitz, he was one of the outlaws, Sam Kinison's outlaws, right? And, you know, he would come in and do spots. And I started doing this impression of Stephen Kravitz. And then Freddie Lockhart was like, yo, the guy working the back door, this is like right before I started parking cars, like he has a Stephen Kravitz impression. It's like, no way. And then Tripper was like, you know, all right, you know, let's hear it kind of thing. And then I would do it. and, And you get that laugh, even if it was just, you know, like, a, all right, man, you know, whatever. It, it just meant the world and cut to, you know, when Stephen Kravitz would go on stage in the, in the, in the OR uh, on potluck, they're, they're like, Hey, have Jesus go up there. So as a door guy, they're, they're pulling me from my post and be like, Hey, go stand on stage and do dueling Kravitz. And there's a, as you're describing, it, I think it's such a dope thing. And, and the comedy store for years was this like negative, like such a dark place but i saw the shift where where comics were like if they if they saw somebody who was doing something good they'd be like hey man i respect what you're doing 
you know, kind of like what, you, what what happened to you. Hey, man, you're funny, man. And it's just like, it, it, it gives this energy where like, man, like I, I, I really want to get good at this and I'm working really hard and I'm, I'm flattered that my peers are taking notice. Yeah, it's interesting because, and I'm going to say this and I'm sure people will see this, will go, that's not true, Bert. But New York was not that. For me, in my experience, New York was not celebrating people. It was all about ball busting. So like, I remember... I remember the first, I remember the first, I remember the first compliment I got. I remember the first compliment I ever got about any joke ever was from Jim Norton. And I, I'll never forget that compliment. Cause I was like, I really, I, I mean, I still very much respect Jim, but man, like you understand people don't understand is that when you're starting and you see a guy like Jim who's established and fucking hilarious and one of the best writers in the business, like, like his writing is bar none top notch. <clears throat> when he says, yeah, I like that joke you did, dot, dot, dot. I, was, I remember going like, oh, thanks. And that joke was in my act for the rest of my life. I was <laughs> like, I would not pull that joke out. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. my new favorite joke. And then I remember Patrice, but this is the way it worked. Like, and Patrice and I did a show. We had to do, each had to do like 30 minutes, maybe. Maybe fifth, Maybe I did 15. I, I can't imagine I did 30 minutes. Okay. I w- I've been doing stand-up for about, a little over a year and I got booked on a show in Scotland with Patrice, Rich Voss, Ben Bailey, and this guy, Louis Schaefer. Yeah. And I had asked my manager at the time, Barry Katz. I said, I don't, what do I do? How do I fill 15 minutes? He said, take all your jokes, write them on a piece of paper and then have that piece of paper on stage and just tell all your jokes. Like, just don't worry about organizing it. Just make sure to tell all your jokes. So we did two shows that night. We were filming both of them. And, and this was to be submitted for to Edinburgh. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, I did the first show and I kind of bombed. And and it was it was not a great crowd. And it, I mean, obviously, no one was famous. No one was. Patrice was not Patrice then. I mean, he was Patrice, but no one knew who the fuck he was at all. Right. And I had my list, my little list, sitting on the table. Uh-huh. And I was going over and like this, like this. And Patrice just looked at it. And I was getting ready to go on stage. And as I go to take it and put it in my pocket, Patrice grabs it, crumples it up, and throws it away. And he goes, nah. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, you're not that guy. And I went, what do you mean? He goes, you're not the guy with the list on stage. He, said, he goes, did you write your jokes? I said, yeah. He goes, then just tell him. Just go up and fucking tell them. Don't look and make sure you, if you can't think of something, say something. I went, right. all right. And I went up, I had a great fucking set and I was done with lists forever. I was never, I, man. Yeah, Patrice, when Patrice does it, yeah, you're done, bro. No more Patrice, lists. Patrice caught me praying. I, I, I said, <laughs> I used to say a prayer. <laughs> and uh, and it was a fucking horrific crowd at the Boston. And so uh, I did a little prayer. I mean, he caught me doing so much shit and he'd pick it apart. There was no celebrating me ever. Yeah. He would yeah. pick it apart. One time I said a prayer. I get off stage and he goes, if I ever see you call God his busy <laughs> schedule so that you don't fucking eat a dick <laughs> on stage, I will strike you down. And I went, okay. <laughs> One time, Jesus, he caught me doing this. I was going, I was doing this. I was going, like waking my, <laughs> my face up. And he goes, what kind of <laughs> stupid white boy shit is that? <laughs> yeah. goes, Don't let me ever catch you try to fucking get your energy up to get on stage. 
Yeah, and 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 for me, like, for me, my my Patrice O'Neill is Ian Edwards, a, oh, a, a, a he dear just friend. Me, man, he just texted me the other day, going, "Hey, just checking in on you, seeing how your family is." I gotta fucking reply to him. Yeah, he's Edwards he, is such a great comic, man. Such, a, but talk about ball busting, holy moly! You, I, I was so enamored with his comedy that it's like, I, I remember seeing him at the at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach, and going like, "Who is this guy?" Like. I, I just started like I, I'd see him at the store. I'm hanging out, and so now cut to me working at the store, and I'm such a fan. And I, I'm like, "Hey, Ian!" And I go to shake his hand, and he's like, "Nah, son." I don't <laughs> <shake."> <laughs> he's like, "I don't shake unpaid regulars' hands." And then he he turn around and shake and 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 shake one of my friends' hand. Uh, you know, he shook his hand, and I'm like, "He's not pass." Like I said, I don't shake um unpaid regulars and he would ball bust me and i remember the day i got passed ian is on that lineup i still have the lineup when i got passed so when when i do my my set as a paid regular my first one i go like no the night i got passed i go to ian he's there and i go hey man i'm i'm i'm, I'm passed can i shake your hand he's like hilarious you're still holding on to that <laughs> it, it, it hilarious. was just yeah it, it, it was just like i remember like snapping like we're, you know, ball busting out front in the front patio and, you know, Ian is killing everybody. And then I think I'm, you know, big boy. I can hang with the big boy. And I say something on Ian and, and he gave me the Ian laughter. I'm like, oh, no, it's coming. <laughs> and I had hair at the time. I had just got a nice haircut, nice and lined up, you know, feeling like a million bucks. I probably had like a new black T-shirt and, I, and I'm waiting for my ass whooping, you know, and he's like. He's like, tell me why Jesus has the complexion of a hot black girl. Bro, <laughs> the place erupts. There's people filing out of the front patio. But, I, I mean, it was just that that for Ian, it was always, like, ball busting. And it was... Uh, Ian's yeah. a New York comic. Yeah, he's a New York comic. He came up with Patrice, I understand. And, yeah. you know, Patrice, and, Chappelle, all those guys. Ian's, like, a legit New York comic. Like, I mean, I say legit, but, but the, like, he was... He was in that group. When I started, the guys working were Bobby Kelly, um, Ian. Like, Dave was already, like, back and forth. Jay Moore was out in L.A. He was doing movies. Um, it was, like, Jim Norton, Ian, Russ Maneve. Um It was crazy. You look back, and you're like – you look back at those times, and you're like, God, Would man, you do I anything wait, different? I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Really? Yeah. No way. Okay, well. Um, number one, I, I wouldn't have spoken as much. Meaning like? I spoke a lot more than I should have. And I talked out of my ass. And I think I gave people a reason. You know, <clears throat> I'm a little oblivious to, to, to reading social scenes. So I think I got, I know I got people to, I was given a lot of stuff very early on in my career. Like I was very, very lucky. And as opposed to putting my nose to the grindstone and being the guy that was like, I don't know. Well, well if like, I could interrupt a little bit there, yeah. I, I've, I've heard, I've heard you say that you've been given stuff and been lucky a, a, a few times now like yeah, yeah. D during this thing. I personally don't feel that, that, that you were lucky. You worked very hard. You know, no, you set I, out not to do even something. Really. Not even really like this sounds silly, but like 
subconsciously you're working towards a goal of being a comedian and things happen along the way. That's what I was. I was obsessed with comedy so that there was no work in it. And I was working as hard as the next guy, meaning we were all trying to get spots. We were all writing every day, all day long. You look at someone like Dimitri Martin and you could actually see, oh, that guy's working hard. Me, Uh it was not, it didn't look like that from the outside. I was working at the door. I got spots at night. I partied it after the shows at the Bag It Inn. I became friends very quickly with a bunch of com with like a lot of comics and and but at, like at times there are like I remember one one time I think it was like Bobby and Patrice and maybe Keith Robinson were out front and those are guys I would if I could go back I would have just and I, it worked out fine for me sure. I would have shut up a lot more I would have listened a lot more as opposed to I think I felt I was uh, I was roughly I was just a little bit younger than everyone I wasn't a lot younger so it wasn't like I was 19 years old I was 25 years old 26 years old I was 26 years old when I started so I was also a man and I knew I could fight so like there wasn't like like I knew I could handle myself as a man so like I would just I didn't care a ton and I and I had a bunch of really great friends in Florida and I wanted to be friends with everyone but I would have just shut up and listened a lot more and I think it would have like I remember they were always going to be the class above me, like Bobby, right. Jim, um, Voss. They were always going to be the class above me. But like I put myself into a situation to just look like a jackass a bunch, which is who I am naturally is a little bit of a jackass. Like I remember uh, the example, the perfect example was I remember they were all sitting up front. Bobby, I think it was Bobby, Keith and Patrice. And I just got my deal with Will Smith and Barry Katz told me, get information do not give information never give anyone any information in this business always get it number one if you tell them they think you're already making more money than you are so if you tell them how much you're making it's not going to impress them they already think it's half a million dollars don't tell them what it really is right and Patrice, I I got a deal, and Barry said, "Do not tell anyone you have a deal. Don't tell a soul." But there was a part of me. I mean, if we're going to be a hundred percent fucking honest, and and I pride myself at least on these types of honesties, like as fucking as best. I was still working the door, <clears throat> and I had, had a deal with Will Smith, and that these guys didn't see me as like a real comic when I had a deal, which is what everyone wanted was the deal. Right. And I think it was just the fact that I thought I should be, that I was better than I was. And I wasn't, I was not, I was not funnier than any one of those guys I just mentioned at all, even remotely. I'd been doing stand up six fucking months, literally six months. But in my head, I thought I've gotten stamped by Hollywood. I got a deal. I'm legit. You guys need to take me serious. And so I walked up, And I don't know how they knew, but I walked up and they go, so you got a deal. And I went, yeah. And I remember Barry saying, don't tell, tell everyone. No lie. Don't, don't never give information. And I went, yeah. And then Patrice said, how much? I said, I don't know. And he goes, no, you know how much? And I said, I don't know. Now they're all sitting out there and Patrice goes, I'm going to guess. And I can see it in your eyes if I'm right. And I went, no, you can't. And he goes, $125,000. $125,000. And I went. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it in your eyes. 
Nah. He guessed it right away. I mean, he guessed it's the bust of my balls. They're like, man, that's not a lot of money. That money goes quick. You can't move to LA with that money. Uh-oh. Man, we thought we'd get more. And then they're like busting my balls. We thought it was half a million dollars. Patrice, how much? And he goes, 125. 125. You buy a car, you no longer make six figures. I mean, they fucking destroyed me. And I, the thing is about about me, not to talk about myself in the third person like this, but I don't mind that. I don't mind the laughter as long as sure. it's funny and it's not cruel. I'm all about busting balls. I loved it. I love the attention, you know, really. Yeah. But I think if I would go back, I would have taken the approach of a guy like Kevin Hart or Mike Birbiglia or these guys that Bill Berg, Greg Giraldo, who they weren't as much of a jackass. Like they got a deal. And they didn't need to go to the club and and, and be proven. They knew that their worth was within themselves right. internally. I remember Bill saying, Bill was the only one. He said, he said, uh, don't don't tell anyone about your deal. I'd already told everyone. Everyone already <laughs> knew about my deal. Bill was like, don't tell anyone about your deal. He goes, the only person you should tell is Esty. He said, go up to Esty tonight. Tell her, listen, I just signed a development deal with Will Smith. And you can get spots. He goes, Esty. And Louis, Louis, no, Lucian, he ran, and he said, and then the guy that ran New York Comedy Club, or not New York, uh, Stand Up New York, he was like, they don't know about the business like that, so you got to kind of inform them that you're working. He's like, they don't feel shy to tell them, but don't tell right. any of these comics. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I've already told everybody. So I think, but you know, for whatever reason, whatever but, reason, it's worked, I guess. But you didn't replicate that situation again, like, you know, come the second, third, fourth, fifth deal. I mean, you took that advice sometimes. No, you know, you, I think I still told everyone <laughs> you know how much money I make. <laughs> like I'm, but whatever, for whatever reason, I'm a fucking low self-esteem having motherfucker where it's like, it's, you know, it's like. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's those things that make you special and, and, and why so many people gravitate towards you. There's not that line thing in you and you are who you are and you're unapologetically like who you are you're 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 comfortable it's like you know your strengths you know your weaknesses and it's like take me for i am or move on that's what makes you great bro yeah i I mean i I guess you know ultimately you look back at you i wouldn't do anything different but i wouldn't i wouldn't mind you know i'll always be as as long as i live i will always be a young comic in my head i'm always a young comic like I remember, I remember even getting to the store and being like, feeling not worth mm. being, uh, be, I didn't deserve to be on stage. I remember feeling that way. Like, I don't deserve to be here. I haven't earned it. Like, even though I'd been doing stand up my whole adult life and I just like, I'm obsessed with stand up. I write nonstop, like for the way I write, I keep a pen and paper with me and I'll write down one words or I'll write it into my phone. I, I still don't believe I deserve it. I remember Delia t- one time telling me how funny I was. And I was like, oh, I wonder what party saw. Like, I remember defending him liking my stand-up. Interesting. People told me they like my last special. And I just go, they just say that. Like, I, I just have a hard time taking compliments or at least feeling worth. And I, I, I think maybe what you're saying is accurate is that I do that. And that is what defines me. And that's why I work harder because I'll never be good enough. You know, like, I'll never be good enough in my head. Like, you know, it's like, it's funny. You read about, you've been watching uh, The Last Dance. I haven't. I haven't. I got to get with it. Oh, my God. And, I hear and it's great. One of the, it's, it's really good. Uh, 
one of the cra- I mean, obviously everyone's, but one of the crazy things that's in there that I, I notice in myself is mm-hmm. Michael Jordan will make up any story to motivate him. It doesn't need to be real. He okay. will make it up to motivate him. Man, I do that, but in a different way where I'm, I, I get motivated. I think people are talking shit about me, about how bad I am. And I go, I'm going to, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to bust my, when I, when I bring out this joke, they're going to be like, God damn, Bert really is not just yeah. a one note. Like it's funny, you know, you, you read one thing online and then that defines the way you work. Some kid goes, you're just some drunk alcoholic who rips his shirt off and tells the same story every night. And my thing was like, no one will ever see me tell the same hour, like ever. I'll do it. You'll yeah. see it once. And then, and obviously I think they say that because there are kids that don't know anything about this business or at least have their sure. own idea what this business is about whether or not I should tell the machine story. But it's like, but in my head I go, you know, and I think I do that too. I, I make up dialogues to motivate myself. Yeah. Using, using that energy to, to motivate, but it's like, as comics, I think we're, we are our own worst critics. And, oh, you know, it's like when, when people say mean things to us, it's like, you think that really hurts? I mean, I may use it and dwell on it, but it doesn't really hurt. Cause there's nothing I haven't said to myself already about my act, you know, my person. Da, da, da. I mean, we're, we are our own worst critics and, you know, to, to make up a story and use it to motivate us. is like, how, how, how do we get to where we, we want to go if we don't, do stuff like that it's like if we don't motivate each other like if we don't motivate ourselves who will nobody else would you know so yeah i look i look at i you want to know something so fucked up uh no that is just a thought and i'll share it i hopefully it's not too bad but you know that that dude uh richard bain passed away i i I did not know him yeah we were texting i think he was changing roommate yeah um it's so funny. Do you, do you do this when a guy passes away? Mostly whenever it's uh, like horrible, you go into their Twitter. And then if they don't follow you, part of you is like, oh, maybe I could have saved it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I don't think I, no, no, I don't think I do that. That's the joke I wrote this morning. He didn't follow me on Instagram and on Twitter. And I was like, God damn it. I wonder why. Like we have all the same friends. Like, why didn't he follow me? Did he not like my act? Like how the fuck, what did he think about my act? hilarious bro yeah dude my brain is uh look we're comics because our, our our brains is like yeah our brains usually shoot to the worst part or you know make some awful joke but that's why we do what we do you know it's like you know comics get in trouble for for saying xyz joke it's like imagine what doesn't make it out imagine what stays in the mental draft folder of of, of bits it's like whew. dude i what what makes me laugh is horrible shit yeah like i mean yeah, like same and especially like I talked to Bill about this the other day. Have you, what I'm going to, well, let's get back to you and your special because Bill said something. If you're not making yourself uncomfortable or challenging yourself on stage and it, sometimes it'll take two weeks just to do something uncomfortable every time for two weeks on stage. And then you get better at it. And then two weeks in, he's like, all of a sudden I can do act outs. What's something that you want to add to your next hour where you go and, and, and do it this way. It's because it's more easy to wrap your head around. Something someone else does. Like, I think I've told you, I would love to be able to do act outs like Sebastian. Not as, as high level, but like just add a little bit. You know that the one joke I've been working on trying to figure it out. What's something yeah. that you see in like a great comic where you're like, I want to be able to do that more. I think I, I, I'd like to, 
I'd, I'd like to dissect like a premise like every which way more. Like I, I feel yeah. like in, 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 in the past I've, I've been more surface and I like to do more act outs. But like when I, when, when I look at, at a guy like Chappelle, like he really, like he's walking down the street and he flashes a flashlight down every alley. And at least you see it. He may not go down it, but the, the flashlight has been pointed in that direction. And he moves forward with his, with his uh, train of thought, his critical thinking, you know? And, and it's like, I don't know if I could think at that level, but it's like, I, I would like to attempt to try to dissect something, like think about something like critically. It's like, I, I talked about my family already. And I think I told you this on the, on the tour bus. It's like this first special is autobiographical. I talk about how I grew up, my family and that kind of thing. But moving forward, I, I, I want to talk about other things expand. Like, I don't want to, I remember hearing an interview by Brian Regan. And he said, as soon as people try to pin point me and be like oh brian is an act out guy brian is this guy he switched up on the following special and i think yeah. i you know looking at brian regan he's one of my top i mean he's one of my top top comics i look up to and jb smooth is another one and it's like if i can land somewhere between the two you know in my timeline you know doing comedy i think i would be very excited so moving forward i think i want to be able to dissect just like premises more in depth than you know leave it on the surface because i was able to dig in deep with you know my family and make it a one-man show ish but yeah. i would like to you know do do something like that but also and i think i told you this on the, on the tour bus too is like my love for comedy was one-liners stephen wright uh you know dimitri martin mitch hedberg you name it so it's like i i I, I want to do more of that. You know, it's like sprinkle them in, but you know, dissect the premise further. So that's what I, that, that's what I, I would like, like to do. I want, I, I want to, I would love to be able to, I'm having a hard time writing right now. Um, well, it's I, hard. I, Our workflow has been disrupted with, with, with this whole thing. So it's, it, it, I think it makes it harder to write right now. I feel like I'm super backed up. Like I go, like, I'll tell you what I wrote. This is the late last thing. <laughs> You know what I've been writing down a lot lately? Uh, weird. Like whenever I hear something, I go, um, I, I write down, like, I just go, I find that funny. Like I heard rare flower hunters the other day. And I just thought that was hilarious. Like there are rare flower hunters. And then I pictured what a rare flower hunter looked like in my head. And it was super romantic. Like it was like, oh, really? badass dude going in leather jacket hat you know yeah. and it's it's not it's a lot of overweight older women are rare flower hunters um oh that's the tour um is, is, is that the new bit that you're working on right now no that's not, not even bits like so my, right is now it? i feel like i just have an idea that's funny and i go like uh like i wanted to do the orgasm challenge like how fun it would how fun would it be if you just saw a, a TV show called The Orgasm Challenge, and it was just celebrities having orgasms. Like, <laughs> and yeah, you raise money, you raise money for it, but it's like <laughs> they videotape themselves having an orgasm, and That's and you hilarious. were like, you got to see like legit, like it's it would be so much better of a talk show if you're like, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Gal Gadot, and she sits on the chair, and then surgically or medically you induce an orgasm, and you just see no questions. You just sit and you just watch someone have you an just orgasm. watch. Yeah. It'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. And just to watch, like, just to get, like, get, like, a, like, a, 
uh, Jack Black and see him just be like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like myself. I, I was really, you know, um, oh, I'm more, uh, this is a pr- the one premise oh. I wrote. I'm more liberal when I dream. Like I'm, okay. I'm a liberal guy, but man, I am liberal as fuck in my dreams. And I thought, so that's the real test. Like, what if we could go uh, into people's dreams, right? And had access to their dreams. And they're like, yo, man, in your dreams, you're saying the N-word nonstop. Is there something you want to share with us? Like, I've never said the N-word in a dream. And I was like, that really, I mean, I've said it more in real life than I, I sing it all the time. I sh- I never said it in a dream. Never uh, once said it in a dream. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, so I, uh, that's where I'm, I'm not writing enough right now. I wrote this bit, uh, well, not this bit, this idea of like, you know, there is a happy birthday song when somebody is like born and, you know, you get reminded every year, but I don't think there's anything to sing when somebody's no longer here with us. You know, there's no universal song. It's like, uh, we're going to miss you so much. You know, we're going to miss you so much. There's always somebody that doesn't know David. We're going to miss you so much and have, you know, the next it would be a great way to, it would be a great way to tell someone, someone died. If I was like, what's up? Hey Zeus, you're like, how you doing? You're like, "Mm, we're gonna miss you. And you're like, Oh fuck. Who died? You're like so much. Hold on. Wait till I get to the name. We're gonna David. Miss We're gonna miss you, Dave Williamson. You're like, oh <laughs> shit, Dave died. We need the next kin to blow out the candles. Grandmother, come on over. You can make a wish, just not that one. Go for it. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so I don't know, just to keep me busy. But yeah, all we can do is just write, man. And I'm excited to get back out there and start working towards my next hour, hopefully, if if if, if that's a thing moving forward. But I think, I mean, I think I'm excited for this special. I mean, I've seen you work. What's crazy is I've seen you work the majority of material, but not all the material. Like a lot of this stuff is just when you headline stuff. Like when you go out on the road, you're only doing like 15, 20 minutes. So it's not the full hour. So I'm excited to see this special. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, it's like I'm, 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 I'm very grateful for, for everyone that's, you know, looked out for me and, you know, rooted me on, gave me yeah, opportunities. Tell the, stories, tell the stories real quick of, of like, uh, I just, I, I, and this is a bad, this is like a, a, a weird humble brag, but not a humble brag for me. It's not about me, but like, tell me what a great guy Russell Peters is. I know what a great guy he is. I know this story, but I think not enough people know this. Yeah. I, I, you know, Russell's such a, such a great guy. He, um, he was one of the guys who, um, um, I, I met, I, I met through Eleanor Kerrigan. Eleanor had introduced me to him. I was working a lot and I, I met Russell got to meet him there. I parked his crazy Rolls Royce that he had at the time. And he was working Irvine that particular weekend when I, uh, Irvine was coming up and he's like, um, he didn't know I was a comic. He just, he thought I just parked cars. And, and then Eleanor was like, Oh no, he's a comic. He's like, Oh cool. And then he was just very kind. And, you know, he, he gave me an opportunity that, that was, you know, earlier then yeah, I, I wasn't ready for this opportunity of of hosting. I, I you know I didn't have fifteen minutes, you know. So but he was kind. He's just you know Russell's that guy. He's like, hey man, come on out, do your thing. And I went out there and I hosted for him. And and he he uh, he 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 uh, yeah he let me work with him the whole week. And he ended up buying me a, a cell phone. And uh, he bought me a cell phone and a and a, and a laptop because he he saw me pull out my laptop. He's like, oh come on man. He's like, what, what is that? 
<laughs> like a laptop. And then my cell phone, and he's like, and I, and I remember he said, he's like, look, you need certain basic tools to stand a chance in this business. And, you know, how can you stand a chance at competing in this business when you don't have the basic tools? And, you know, he gave me those things and he was like, hey, man, just, you know, work hard and I'm sure you'll pay it forward one day. And, you know, he's like, you know, I know you're a hardworking dude, so, you know, keep working hard and, you know, you'll get to where you want to be. And, and I still have the laptop, you know, I still, I, still, I still have the laptop and it's just like, it's, it's crazy. But there's been so many people like Russell that have been so generous. Yourself, I'll never forget Leanne and you buying me the jacket because I went on the road with you. I'm like, oh yeah, this jean jacket would be perfect for, for Canadian uh, blizzard storms. And you guys came out with this uh, down jacket, which I, I, I don't, you didn't have to do that, but you guys are so kind and, you know, I, I hope to pay it forward. And I mean, there's been so many people like that along the way, even Steve Trevino. I mean, he, he did so much, you know, he, he taught me the ropes. He, you know, I was at, you know, I would go to his house and, and eat, you know, you know, before I would go to the comedy store and, you know, he, he gave me so much. He helped out my parents and Steve Byrne, you know, put me on Sullivan and son. That was my first time that I was, that I was on, 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 on a sitcom and you know there's been so many like in edwards too he's helped me out a bunch um and I, I i say all that to say this that you know this special is a, just a reflection of like nobody does it alone I, I, this is a very lone wolf sport of stand-up we write the jokes we go on stage we get behind the wheel drive hours to do minutes of of stand-up and i i don't know that anyone is able to 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 do an hour special alone. It's, it's a, it's, it's a culmination and the help of a lot of people, you know, it's a, you know, yeah. it takes a village to raise a kid. It's, it's a village of, of, of comedians who, who are, are, are giving and, and give unconditionally and, and, and help each other. There's competition, but at the end of the day, you know, we do come together and, and help our own. And I mean, this is a reflection of, of everyone who sacrificed, you know? Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy when you think about it. I love, I, I forgot about the jacket, I, I, but I love the story of Russell Peters saying, you, if you're going to stand a chance in this business. Yeah. I think it, that, that, I remember hearing that and going, you know, I know Russell's a great guy. I know how generous he is. But when you hear that story, you just go, that's a fucking great guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I always love hearing that story. It just, it's, it seems like, a laptop's such an extravagant purchase, but for someone like Russell, who's you know obviously done so well in this business, he looks at it and goes, "It's it's not it's not going to break me, and it could help this guy get to the next level." And it, it 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 did so much. I mean, it's like that's how I would write stuff. That's how I would film an audition, you know, and send it, and you know, have email, and you know, have a work project. There were so many things in this laptop that it's like, yeah. It's like he 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 really set me up to 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 get to where I'm going. You know, I just have to put in the the hard work behind it. And yeah, and also in in the in the special, I wanted to share this with you. I ended up using the logo, the animated logo. So when we were in the tour bus, I had I, I had the, the the iPad and I animated the logo. I had to do the the company like for uh, for the special at, at, at the end of it and i drew the pigeon because I, I named my company fat pigeon inc i drew the logo and i animated it and man i gotta tell you Bert, i am so proud like they're they're putting it, it's in the special like 
I'm, I'm, that's probably the most proudest thing in that special that I was able to draw, animate, name my company, and I put it at the end. It's a Fat Pigeon Inc. production. It's like, dang it, I, I can't tell you. I was so excited. And I even showed you like a little kid. You were getting yeah. ready for the for the show. You are doing, you know, business stuff. I'm like, like, you know, like a little kid. Hey, Bert, look what I drew. You're like, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, so it's totally cool. And then like for, for the thing, you're like, oh, wow. It's like, you did that. And yeah. It was, it, it was like so cool to, I, yeah, I, I did it in your tour bus and it was, it was pretty fucking proud of that though drawing, it's, man. You're all, you're really good at that shit. Like that, you're really good at that. So we'll see. I, I, I mean, you know, it's just, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I get to do what I love and, and work with good people and, and, and grateful for everyone that's looked out for me, man. I, I, well, dude, I, like I am so, I'm so happy for you. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to watch it with Leanne. Leanne's going to fuck. Leanne loves you. So that'll be her favorite of this quarantine. I can guarantee. And, uh, and it's dude. It's, I mean, I hope, I hope that, I mean, I hope selfishly I get to get back out on the road with you soon, but you know, I also hope that you just do your own fucking thing. And I can't work with you ever again because you're that fucking funny. Oh man. Thank you, man. You know, Thank you, and, and and Leanne, you guys are great. Thank you for for looking out for me, and yeah, thank you for this opportunity being on the on on, on your podcast. Thank you, man. Of course, brother, I love you, man. Thank you love so you, much. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you. I'll talk All to right. you very soon. You know that. Okay. Take All care. Right. <laughs> All right. Bye. I'll see you later, Jesus. Congrats, brother. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.